So Kelly, last week you flew all the way to China, did a 70.3, it came back, and afterwards you told me you were feeling great, but I understand that that feeling did not hold for the whole week. I think I said I was feeling like normal terrible for post-race when we talked last week because I'm racing Cabo 70.3 this weekend. So the whole big question was like, how quickly was I going to recover? And I was like, oh, it's fine. And basically after I told you that last week, when oh, I was fine. I like crashed and burned. Like, I mean. And what is your like, like what does your crash and burn look like? <laughs> well, mostly it looks like me laying on the couch all day, but like literally I was getting hot flashes and I was getting chills. I was like worried I was going through menopause. I like, did, I like didn't sleep at all one of those nights. So then I was just like delirious and nauseous from like not sleep. So then I was like, I can't, I literally like can't do this workout. Like one day I tried to do the workouts and just slept all day in between. Next day I was like, I literally can't do this workout. Like I can't even walk around my house. So I like laid back down on the couch and like went back to sleep. So you basically kind of sick, terrible. right? Yeah, that's what happened. I mean, when I, so a lot of people have asked me about recovery between races because I've been racing like back to back a lot. And I feel like it's up and down. You like don't know how it's going to go and you like can't read too much into it. But when it's really bad, I know you've had like, when, when it goes south and you've had this too, there are like some things, you know, like I'm always freezing, like cannot rationally like figure out why, cannot put on enough clothes. I usually get the chills. Sometimes I get like straight up sick. I'd often have a hard time sleeping and then I get like all delirious. Yeah. That means you went freaking hard on the race. Cause those are like, those are like all the signs of overtraining. <laughs> like you're just listing off overtraining signs, which you didn't overtrain. Clearly you just raced really hard, which I feel which like, was good. like I'm yeah. proud of you right now. Like, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> was it hot in China? No, it wasn't. But I always get like really nauseous after races too, like 30 minutes. So there's these things that I feel like not everyone has the same ones, but you get used to yours. And so I know that 30 minutes after a race, I basically have to like lay down on the ground because I like I'm going to start vomiting. I had an athlete really once bad. used to vomit just like at the finish line. Like she'd cross the line and vomit like every time. So maybe yeah, it's the same I'm mechanism. pretty similar. It's something, something. And the worst part I feel like is when you get on the plane the day after, because the day after... It like varies what, like how bad, what bad shape you're in, but it's bad usually. And then you get on this flight and you're just like, holy shit. And I got on my flight back from China and somehow I like, I had picked a window seat so I wouldn't throw up. And then that like, didn't have a win. I was like crammed in like the bulkhead or whatever. It was, and then we got like delayed. And then we had like, where you're going up and down to like reroute you to some other place. And oh then you, man. Oh my God. It was so bad. So what is your worst, like. What happens to you when you're recovery and what's like your worst, like, oh my God, that was the worst okay. ever. First, I want to say that I have, I always had after, before I knew I was gluten intolerant or celiac, I used to have the beer test, like after a full or even a half, like if I could drink a beer like that day within the day, then that oh, was Oh, like I always good. drink a lot of beer. <laughs> Maybe after that's a race. problem. But I, no, I basically don't get drunk after races. This is a side point. So... I just like, if I can drink a beer, especially after a full Ironman, like if I like crave a beer and can keep it down after a race, that's good. Like my recovery is going great. But if okay. I feel like too nauseous and off and gross and my stomach turning, I like, oh, it might be a longer recovery. Like if I need like electrolyte drinks instead of alcohol, then it could take a little longer. Could take a little while. But, like okay. my worst was when, and it was because I wasn't fit. So I had been, I'd been in Edinburgh working on my PhD. And sometimes when we lived in the Middle East, like the, the shake, this is going to sound like it is kind of like one of those Middle East crazy stories. The shake would decide 
there was going to be like a race on and they were going to put prize money on it. And they started this right. series. I, have I told this on the podcast before? I don't think. No, but you told me this. How there would randomly be like, this weekend, there will be $10,000. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I had already missed like a $10,000 marathon where a woman won with like a four-hour marathon, won $10,000. So then there was a time trial, a 40K time trial, and there was $3,000 on it. And my dad called me and was like, you should come here. There's this whole series. And I was planning on coming like a week or two later anyway. So I changed my flight. I hadn't been training barely at all. I landed in Dubai. It was like hot as hot compared to Edinburgh, Scotland. Right. <laughs> and I went out there. But the problem was that like this South African cyclist, pro cyclist had also found out about this. Uh, so we're on the start line and we had a time trial start and I could see where she was on the road. And it was, um, it was actually 11, no, 10 laps of, no, wait, four laps of 11K? Details, Sarah, here. Sorry, yeah, I okay, know. I'm getting okay. caught up in the weeds. Sorry. Um, <laughs> four laps of 11K. Just to tell you like how I could see her, it was like out and back laps. I could see her all the time. So I was like paying uh, really strict attention to like where she was on the lap and where I was. And I had to like detonate myself to win this $3,000. And I won it by like a few seconds. And then literally like for the next two days, I could not leave the house. <laughs> I was stuck. Like I had to sit in a dark room because I had... um. Oh. heat exhaustion you know where you can't handle the sun but I had it for like not just a day but like then two days I was still stuck like indoors in the shade it was it was bad I think that's what happened to me after Kona because I that's the most messed up I've probably ever been like I didn't like leave my house for a week but your story reminded me of the most messed up I've seen a person was my husband hadn't run in seven or eight years and I was like, I'm going to do this turkey trot. And I was talking shit that he couldn't beat me. And he came out. So he was like, fine. So he came out to do the turkey trot. Like literally hadn't run in like eight years. Beat me by like 30 seconds. And like couldn't walk like at all. So I think, okay, like this is amazing. What's the like take home point here? It's like if you go harder than you fit for, right, you're going to recover hard. I think that's what we learned today. There you go. So, so that's our tip you, for everybody. You went hard at your race. I'm, I'm proud of you once again. Okay. So coming up on the show, we're going to do the continuation of Tales from My Box from last week. I got lots of superhero exercises from our listeners. Kona demographics and why there's not more women. Can you actually train too much? And cryptic tweets. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding.
Okay, so I think last week when we talked, your superhero exercise was burpee pull-ups. And I said I really like tire flipping and climbing the ropes. What did other people say? Okay, so I got a number of responses and they were like all over the board, which I loved. Um, so thank you to everyone who wrote to me and told me, okay, we got kettlebell snatches Russian style. Can you picture that? Oh, yeah. Russian snatches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like swing kind of a kettlebell through your legs and then you like pull it up over your head, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Running downhill fast, someone said. Um, oh. Someone also really liked like fast cycling or like zone three cycling, like, you know, like tempo pace cycling for long periods of time. Um, which I kind of okay. get. That's pretty fun. If you feel good, it's fun. If you feel bad, it's terrible. <laughs> um, running fat, like track workouts. Yeah. Somebody said track workouts. Okay. Hard trainer intervals with music. Another good one. Okay. Heavy deadlifts. Okay. I can see the heavy deadlifts because like deadlifts is the lift that you have the most weight on. Right. And then you're like, I'm so badass. I'm lifting like 150 pounds. Right. You're like standing beside <laughs> this barbell with like big things on it. And like right. people who don't lift don't really know how much the things weigh. They just know no, that they no. look really So you're big. like, I need to go get another one of these. Right. <laughs> okay. So we had sled pushes, which I've oh, never done. Yeah. Have you done them? Yeah, yeah, like the ones like for football. Yeah, yeah, never done. You're that. like, yeah, that sounds right. I, mean, I can picture someone Canada. pushing. It. I can picture it, but I've never done it. Okay, and a truck pull. That was the last one, and then and then she sent me a picture of herself pulling. It was it was like an SUV or something, but it was okay. pretty cool. It was like an actual truck. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause like I used to watch World's Strongest Man all the time, and they would pull like trains and semi trailers like attached to each other like multiple semis it was really crazy so well they used to pull trucks on the biggest loser which i used to be like oh. addicted to and so that i feel like if they can do it on the biggest loser we could probably do it too so now i feel like i want to set that up and pull a truck oh yeah now i feel like i should be able to pull a truck all right so have you made up a whole workout for us okay then? i'm going to make up so in coming weeks in the next episode of tales from my box i'm gonna take some of these things and i'm gonna make a workout and i might even do it or like recruit some people to do it with me so Fun times, okay, fun you're going to actually do this work. Is it going to have a name? Right. So the naming. Okay. So do you know how CrossFit workouts are named after a lot of them are named after women? Yeah. Like most of them. Yeah. Okay. And I wondered why this was. Well, isn't it supposedly, okay. What I was always told was the hardest workouts had women's names. Yeah. I don't know enough about it to know that. I just like, okay. <laughs> I've done some, some very basic research. Okay. Like, I Googled. Okay. So, okay. So apparently, okay. The, like the, what would you call it? Like the party line, okay, is that Greg Glassman, who founded CrossFit, chose female names because the weather service gives storms female names. And after the workout, you feel like a storm hit you. Okay. Okay. But then there's also a sub story floating around the internet that he said, I think anything that leaves you laying on your back, gasping for air, wondering what just happened to you should be named after a girl. Sounds more accurate to me from my uh, understanding of CrossFit. Right. So right. <laughs> I'm going to surmise that the first quote is his, re- the quote is his actual reason. And that later when they needed like a more PC reason, <laughs> that maybe they came up with this storms thing. I don't I'm know. telling you, I think it was always like I was, because when I heard that the hardest ones were named after women, it was definitely a version of like, you know. Cause bitch will beat you up. Right. Yeah. Like it was like, <laughs> it was like, all right, well that's cool. Whatever. Right. So I'm going to go, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm not saying something too risky as to say that like, it's a very like 
male centric reason for naming them after women. Oh, I thought you were going to say CrossFit is a very male centric thing. And I was going to be like, what? No, (laughs) you were going to be super shocked. (laughs) Even though actually at like an elite level, the women are as big a deal and it's like a big thing and all that. Yeah, no, certainly, certainly there's like, they have a lot of like good things going for them in terms of gender equity and CrossFit. But like just on this one point, I think like, so for me, okay, now we're, now I'm going to name it. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So because he's laying gasping, wondering what just hit him, be named after a girl. So for me, that should be named after a guy, right? Okay. So I'm okay. going to name it after my first boyfriend. Okay. Oh, no, I should be more clear. After the first boy- boyfriend that I had sex with. Oh, well, just to be specific, just to be clear, in case anyone everybody. was wondering. In case you were wondering. Okay. You needed to know this information. You, you, didn't, you thought this was Tales from My Box. <laughs> so it always has to tie back to the box. Okay. So, and his, he has an awesome name, which is partially why I went this direction. He's called Mark Anthony. Okay. So, so you're going to make boom. up a workout. Yes. It's going to be called Mark Anthony. Yes. Not Caesar. Sorry. And we're going to do it. Yeah. And it's going to be great. That's right. That's what's happening in coming weeks. I'm sure our listeners are thrilled. You know when we should do it? What? Brilliant brainstorm right here. We didn't talk about this before the episode. At the summit, one of the morning workouts, <laughs> we should do this. Boom. Great idea. Okay. Okay. I might have to find some tires though, which could be hard. Okay. We'll come up with a in version Arizona, of Mark Anthony. We can do. find some tires in a parking lot. Perfect. All right. So talking about, you know, gender equity, the demographic stats for Kona this year finally came out because it takes a little while to like compile them and like analyze them and whatever. And I included it in the newsletter and there's and the link in the newsletter. You can like really dive into like which age groups have grown over the last 15 years and whatever but the top line graph top line graph is yeah like the percentage of women hasn't changed at all in fact the percentage of women peaked in 2016 at 30 percent and has been at 28 percent the last two years went down so Mm -hmm. despite all this stuff about like women 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 we're so focused on women despite people even being concerned that they're so focused on women guys are going to get screwed this has definitely been a concern Right. And it actually, yeah, it hasn't happened. And on that same graph, in terms of the Kona <laughs> gender split, the women have stayed the same and gone down in the last couple of years, but the men's bars have gone up. <laughs> yeah. When you look at, when you look at actual numbers as opposed to percentage. Right. Yeah. I think it's like, it's like just under 700 it's like 690 women or something. And of the other, like, 2490 people it's it's only been an increase in men so yeah it only increased in men and the other interesting thing here is that at the press conference before the race andrew messick got up said there was 27 percent women and was like kind of bragging about this and so i like really if only (laughs) i had known like i wish i had just had the information right there and just been like uh actually that's down from 2016 like i would have loved to ask that question then because i'd love to hear his answer to it because of the amount of braggery. Well, I guess the other question, the question I would have asked him, Sarah, would be, so all of these efforts that are supposedly supposed to increase the number of women, like supposedly this is what we care about now. Why aren't they working? Okay. I'm going to tell you why they're not working. Okay. You're going to tell me. I'm I'm sure you'll have more to add to this, but I think that if we focus just on getting women in on the beginner participation level, and we don't create more opportunities at higher levels, that those women, like it's not trickling into Kona. 
right? No, it's like not. it's not going from like somebody doing shit the first does not trickle up. Is <laughs> shit what you're does saying. not trickle up <laughs> exactly. So like the it's not. We need to do specific things to encourage women to like not just get in the sport but stay in the sport and also move up the ranks, uh, the age group ranks. In this case, we're talking about the age group ranks in terms of their performance. Um, and right, so- right. We're not talking about them moving up to the field. Another problem. We're talking literally like you did your first triathlon. Like we have to give them a reason to come back into another, to want to improve, to qualify for 70.3 worlds, then to qualify for Kona, whatever. Like you have to give them reasons to keep those, at it. Those incentives are not in place right now. Hence the Hence, summit. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, the summit. Okay, see where we're going to do the workout. You know what I keep thinking, though? And this is like, only time I've done Kona was 2016, as we know. Mm-hmm. And I was there for like a couple weeks before. And so one of those, like couple week, like a week or two before, so there were people there, but there wasn't like a ton of triathletes there yet. I was out on a long ride, like out to Javi, and I stopped at one of those resorts to refill my water bottles. And there were these just total classic, like off a cruise, don't know anything about triathlon, family that was like, Oh, what are you doing? And they were at, they were like, they're like, well, how many people do that? And then they were like, well, how many women is it? And I was like, well, it's like 30% women. Cause I just made that up at the time. Right. Which I was right. Turns out. Mm-hmm. But I was like, Oh, and they were like, well, why is it less women? These random people don't know anything about triathlon. And I, and I thought I did a pretty good job. I was like, well, Ironman thinks there need to be more people overall, more women doing triathlon before they'll let more women in to the world championship. And these random people who didn't know anything. This guy goes, man, you guys are just always getting screwed, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Random cruise goer. You got it. <laughs> well, it's funny because when, like when we've talked about 50 women to Kona before getting equal slots for the pros or even trying to get equal slots for the age groupers, like a part of me just feels like giving as an answer, like, because that's how sport works. <laughs> because right, like, we well, want equal opportunity because it's sport. But obviously that's not a good enough reason. So anyway, anyway, all you guys on the slow Twitch, who I'm sure listen to our podcast, who are worried that there just aren't going to be enough spots for men. Don't worry. Don't worry. Like, it <laughs> They've seems been like it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, okay. So training for Kona mm-hmm. in some ways is not really like a healthy endeavor, right? Like a lot of this, like extreme triathlon, extreme ultra endurance events. Uh, we've talked about this before. You don't necessarily do them for your health, right? Yeah. And I think we've always... Yeah, I think we've always sort of agreed like, okay, like this isn't really healthy. If you're going to be healthy, you just like casually run or whatever. If you want to be healthy, like running three times a week, a little bit of strength work, some yoga. Perfect. Yeah. But what if all this worry about like, it's not good for your health isn't true, Sarah? There was, is it not? It might not be true. There was an article I included in the newsletter this week, which was only like the most recent study, but there's actually been a number of studies kind of on this topic. And this article was about this overall like concern in the last few years that too much exercise could be bad for your heart, which we've all heard about and bad for your health. And this author, the guy, he wrote that new book, Endure, the one about like science, the science of endurance. Yeah. So he's written about this topic before and he was basically has said before, it's actually a little more mixed than that. Like there's actually not as much like solid evidence as you think that it's bad for your heart to just run more. But this most recent study he was pointing at correlates directly. Is that the word I'm looking for? When something goes up in sync with correlates VO two max with uh, health and longevity, like literally the higher your VO two max, the longer you live. Hmm. And so like people who have the highest VO two max are obviously like, 
pretty fucking crazy athletes. Yeah. And I mean, but like it, yeah. Yeah. To be clear, like in the past when I've like, when, when we joke about it being unhealthy, sometimes I'm talking about the people who do like, like fucking hard training 30 hours a week, you know, or who do right. like ultra running and run miles and miles and miles every day to the point of it actually like beings. But, but I do think that there's a really big in between space that most of us are, right. are living in like you and I are. And, and also that like fear mongering around, like, it's just another, it's just another excuse, right? It's like when people say that fruit isn't good for you. And so everybody who doesn't eat fruit right now <laughs> just keeps <laughs> eating their candy because they're like, well, fruit isn't good for you. You know, it's right, right, right. Do you right. know what I mean? It's like saying exercise isn't good. It's like when people say, well, I can't run because isn't running bad for your knees. Well, no, like if you, if you just starting running and you do 15 minutes, three times a week, like you're doing yourself a massive favor. You don't have to worry. Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, like the like I, when people worry about these things, they often like miss the the overarching message. But the interesting thing in these studies that he was talking about was even at the elite elite level, even when you talk like 98th percentile and up, it still corresponds to longer lifespans. Wow. So, except for like some of these extreme examples, right? Some of these instances where you are like literally damaging your heart muscle, right? Or like, or there's been more and more cases of, um, you know, electrical problems propping up in people's hearts. Like, except for these extreme examples, it actually does correlate to better health. And this is good news. I know. Or, see? Especially because, you know, as someone who's spent the last 15 years training really, really hard for something, like, I don't want to be told that I've just shortened my life because of this, you know? So I'm like quite, I'm quite happy by this. Yeah. I think the other, this is my personal theory too, is I think all these, like, as someone who has a heart issue, I think there's also this thing where like, if you had never trained to that point, you probably would never even know if you just like casually jogged around the block three times a week, you probably, you would have still had this problem, your heart electrical issue, your whole, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know I have tons of friends who have a variety of different issues, but they wouldn't have ever known if they didn't. So it's like, it doesn't actually change the fundamentals of your health. It's just that you become aware of it. Right. That is my also personal theory. FYI. Yeah good it's a good theory. Mm -hmm. theory thank you okay I'm so after the break we're going to talk about cryptic tweets in triathlon and some other stuff We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inkwithak.com. And Crave Jerky, cravewithak.com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, Sarah. So in the newsletter, I like sometimes have this regular feature called like insider tweet of the week where I try and like describe like what someone is talking about because it's a very common thing on triathlon Twitter. Especially on Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Whereas people will reference 
someone cheating at a race or someone doping or like being mad about something, but you have no idea what they're talking about. Right. Right. Like, and you, if you aren't on the inside and, and you don't want to so, go do the research, like really do I have the time to like text all my friends and message people who might know this person who might know someone to find out who right, the cheater right. is. <laughs> You're just like, what? Right. So, um, and it's really common for people to post that stuff. So I was looking on my, like I was browsing my Instagram and Laura Siddall, Siddall, uh, who's really like, I like Laura a lot. She raced the last challenge race this past weekend, the one in Sardinia. And she had posted on Instagram that basically like there was disregard for the rules by one athlete and she wasn't happy about it. And it like left a bad taste in her mouth. Totally get that. Right. But then I like couldn't figure out who, who, like who she was talking about, what was happening. Partially because challenge has terrible results pages, right? Like you can never find the results for challenge race. Um, but it was clear from like other people commenting that like other athletes thought like this person, unnamed person was also cheating. And then I was like, Laura is Laura's certainly not the only person who's ever done this after Texas. Like I remember a ton of people like taking to social media to be like, I'm not going to name names, but like there was blatant drafting And you, after other races, you see people be like, well, we all know that one person cut the course. So here's my question. Is it like how, I understand being frustrated. Like, what should you do? Should you actually go on Twitter and be like, this is the person who cheated? Should you just like not say anything? But you're frustrated. You're like venting. What is the right thing to do here, Sarah? Social media guidelines. Social media For the Twitter guidelines. age. Yeah. I don't know if I have social media guidelines, but I do have a proposition. <laughs> like, why not band together? I mean, I know that we tried to make pro unions like 1,200 times and it's never worked, but like... Isn't there one currently? I'm pretty sure there's one. I'd, I'm not sure if the current one's still... I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I have no insider info on that. Anyway, just like band together and like demand a rule change because they have like with these drafting rules, they have rules that they can't enforce. Right. And so it's like literally up to the individual out on the course, how much they're going to follow the rules or not. And it's it's ridiculous. It makes the pro race kind of ridiculous sometimes. And it does mean that sometimes the winner doesn't shake out to be the person it should. And that's not fair. And and we shouldn't have to race like that. And uh there something needs to change but i think it's like by shaming and trying to shame an individual or like shaming slash not shaming because you're not really naming them but you kind of are is like it, it's fine like speaking up is speaking up is good in a way but it's it's kind of um half-assed well i understand will. being frustrated right i understand coming out of a race and being like well that sucked like that was bullshit and a lot of times everyone at the race knows, like, you know how we all talk to each other mm -hmm. and word gets around the community. If someone's like a super big cheater, mm -hmm. like everyone kind of knows who's a super, but like, it's one thing to be saying it among each other yeah. after the race, when you're like drinking wine and it's another, like, and then it's harder to take that and like go public with it. I don't know. We need like, we definitely need like next level change. Like that's why I kind of yeah. like, you know, when, um, like when Angela Nath, although she had her own like personal reasons, she was trying to get into Kona, but she complained about the two women who, who accidentally, I believe, cut the course at an Ironman. Yeah, I think it was an accident. And then yeah. later they were, they were disqualified because they didn't follow the rules and it was on camera. So I think like she went through the proper channels. It was like the USAT committee um, that, that decided like, I think we should do that more often, like lodge a complaint with Ironman. Like if every pro athlete who ever witnessed drafting went after the race <laughs> and lodged a complaint about drafting, 
Like imagine that would be like everybody all the time. It would. Yeah, it would be interesting because I definitely have never tried to lodge a formal complaint, even even when, you know, there's been somebody just like sitting on your wheel the whole time. And you know that you know you keep looking over your shoulder and you're like, oh, you're still right. just sitting there. Cool. Right. And cool. I didn't really answer your question about social media. No. Like, <laughs> what should like, so what should you do? Like, I've never tried to lodge a complaint. I also like didn't really know what to do or say. Or like, you know, and like every guy going by me is like, you know, there's this girl sitting on your wheel. And I'm like, I don't, I'm okay. Like, right. what do I do? Right. So what do you do in that case? What do you do? Oh, man. I, I still, I don't, in terms of social media, like, I mean, maybe social media is part of the change. I'm, I'm going to give like a, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. give it a soft nod, you know, <laughs> just okay. like, okay, it's part of it. We'll talk, we're talking about it more. So good. I think lodging a complaint is better. I think working together in a group and lodging a group complaint, even better. That's true. That would be nice. Hmm. Those okay. are my thoughts. All right. So in the future, I will continue to try to decipher tweets for people. Okay. We'll see. If you have confusing tweets, send them to Kelly. You should send them to me. Yeah. Sometimes people do send them to me. Yeah. Just message so. Kelly. We will unpack them. She will unpack them for you. <laughs> she, you're like, Sarah's like, I'm I'm like I will not. Yeah. <laughs> 